when Mark and I sat down and talked about, hey, we should do like a like a Stations of the Cross thing for Good Friday. Um, I don't think either one of us really realized what what that would be. I think for up until maybe Thursday afternoon, I was like, is this going to pull together? Um, but when um, Ken and Sally and Sarah and Ian and Donna all kind of got involved, it, it got really real and uh, really exciting. And um, I just wanted to share a little bit about my own personal experience. I'm still kind of out of breath from that last song, y'all. <laughs> I was like, praise the Lord. But <laughs> I was just like, oh, man. Um, but, yeah. Um, so, you know, I we kind of borrowed some things from another church. But ultimately, like, I ended up studying this and, and um, you know, kind of designing what the uh, what the whole thing would look like. But what I ended up finding out was it wrecked me going through it on my own. And it was so surprising to me. Um, just want to tell you a couple of things that were really crucial in my experience. Uh, first of all was, uh, for those of you that did, didn't know it, we had different stations for different places where Jesus was um, before he uh, was buried in the grave. And um, so we had a station that was dedicated to it when Judas betrayed Pilate. I mean, when Judas betrayed Jesus, and then another station where Pilate betrayed Jesus. Um, but in the Judas station, we had 30 silver pieces in a bag where you poured them out onto a, a slate. And so you could hear them hit the ground, and then you counted them one by one and put them back in the bag. Um, hey, just real quick, there's some folks in the back. And if you guys can scooch in so they can have a seat. Um, I know it's it's really packed in here. If anybody can scoot in so they can have some seats on the end, that'd be really awesome. I just hate to I hate to be the one standing in the back. So, um, so anyway, but I remember pouring those out, thinking, and putting them back in the bag, and I just thought, that's it. Like that's all it took to betray Jesus. I don't know how much it was worth, really, but it couldn't have been worth worth what it what he was actually doing. And I just really was struck by that. Um, and then also. Um, when I was at the, when I was standing at the tomb, so we had like a little, a room with a, just all black and some candles and just a, the shroud uh, sitting there just to kind of represent the tomb where Jesus was laid. And I just stood there thinking, one of the questions was, how is, how have you felt disappointed by God? Because think about the disciples being so, um, you know, seeing Jesus do these miracles and seeing Jesus say who he said he was, and then he died anyway. It just, the three, three days is a long time to grieve. So just standing at the tomb thinking, man, God, I am disappointed in some things in my life. I'm disappointed with the rejections in my life. I'm, and it's like, I thought since you promised me these things that you were going to bring them about. And so I was just having that moment with the Lord and feeling like, man, that's how the disciples felt too. And just little, that little twinge of the Holy Spirit on the back of my neck saying, there's a couple stations coming. You know, this isn't over, you know. Um, and so what's funny though, is so after that station, we went, you kind of, we had, we're carrying around a rock to represent our sin and our brokenness. And you kind of was this burden that you had to deal with the whole time you're doing the, the stations. And at the end or right before the end, you dropped your rock off at the front of the auditorium and came down and had communion. Well, I got all the way down here and I realized I was reading what the prompt said and I still had my rock in my hand. And I was like, whoops. And I'm like, you made this. How did you forget to leave your rock? So I, on my way up, I just felt like the Lord was saying, you got so used to carrying that around that you forgot to lay it down when it was time. And I was like, that'll preach, right? I hear a lot of amens in there, you know? Like, and we do, we get so caught up in, I'm so used to carrying around the shame. I'm so used to being the bad one. I'm so used to being a failure. I'm so used to being uh, rejected. That when Jesus is like, I'm risen, we miss it sometimes. We say, I came to overcome that. The resurrection is proof that I overcame all of that. And um, it was just neat to be able to think, yeah, I just, man, lay those burdens down. And this is such a great morning for that. Oh, I'm just getting, I'm getting caught up. I'm going to get too far what I need to say. But um, I did want to point out just a couple of other things, just sitting and observing. So Mark and I and uh, several others were kind of here as facilitators for anybody that need anything or, you know, if we run out of something. And um, But that last block, that four to seven block, I was here kind of just able to sit. Everything was super self-directed, so I didn't have to do a whole lot. But I was just able to watch people come through, people I'd never seen before, some that I had. Um, but watching people experience Jesus was just incredible to me. Watching grown men walk out in tears 
because they were so moved by the spirit, moved by what Jesus had done for them, watching fathers ministering to their children, standing and explaining each station to them and ministering to them. And um, I actually at one point sat up at the top, was making sure the music was still going. And I was watching this family down here and they were just overcome with emotion. Several teenagers in their family, I think maybe an aunt or sister-in-law or something like that. Um, and they were just hugging on each other and weeping and praying for one another. And they were in here for a long time. And it just, it was so moving to me because after I got done, I was so overcome with this. After that shame and that burden felt lifted, it was like, I want to reach out to other people. I want to, I wanted to hug everybody once I was done. You know, you get, I get emotional. I want to hug people. Um, as many of you probably know about me. Um, or if you get emotional, I want to hug you. So, um, I just felt very huggy that day, but it just the neat, it was just neat to think about the unity that came from being able to do that together. I don't know if you guys felt like that at all when you were experiencing it, but I felt so, you know, I'm actually seeing nods for those of you that can't see have the advantage of where I'm at, but I felt so close to the body of Christ. And it's like, I didn't even have to say like, Hey, make sure you come to our Easter service or anything like that. It was just like, we're just peace be with you, brother. Peace be with you, sister. You have, you're a part of the family of God and we're, we're here together. We, we unite under the banner of Christ and we don't have to be worried about denomination and, or, you know, opinions about different things. Like we can unite under that banner because we are one. And Jesus, and we talked about that on Monday, Thursday, Jesus prayed that we would be one as he and the father were one. And when we unite, we are walking in direct will with God. When we are walking in unity. And it was just real. That was just such a neat byproduct for me. Um, and, you know, I, I hesitated even talking about this, being the one to talk about this, because I don't want it to seem like, because a lot of people thanked me, and I felt weird about that. I mean, I was happy to serve our church, but I felt like, for me, it was being a conduit to what Jesus has for you. Um, and I know that was, you know, that was our heart when we even talked about it. Like we want to make a space, a sacred place for people to come and just be present with Jesus. And the reality is, and this is the last thing I'll say, um, the reality is we can have that every day. I mean, you, you know, you could set up a station, I guess, a bunch of stations in your house and do something experiential for your kids. And I don't think that's, a, I think that's a great idea. Um, but when we take the time to give Jesus space in that contemplative place, and, and just listen. Um, I can't remember. There's a, 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 I think she's a nun actually that talks about these four waters of prayer. And the last one is just rain. The idea that the Holy Spirit would just rain down and you don't need to say anything. You can just be present with God and that's available to us. And there's, I don't know, there's a lot of people that are like, will you, will you pray for me? Because your prayers get through. And <laughs> I'm always like, no, not any more than your, there's nothing like special about what I say when I pray, but we have access. There's no Holy Spirit junior. We all have access to the Holy Spirit. And I think what was so crucial for me was watching people, um, experience that together. And I just wanted to encourage you that on this Easter, you, maybe this is the first time you've been in church in a long time and you're a little like geeked out by everything and the tambourine freaked you out. And I apologize for that. Um, I couldn't help it though. So <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Uh, <laughs> but you're welcome here. And, and the Holy Spirit is inviting you to be present with him here. Um, God is inviting you to be present with him here. We are inviting to be present alongside you, just like one beggar leading another beggar to find bread. Um, so just wanted to thank you for even being here. Those of you that came through, thank you for coming through. I, I really hope that you'll talk about your experience with those that you, uh, come in contact with, not to say, Hey, journey did this really cool thing, but to say, you know what? I encountered Jesus in a way that I haven't in a long time. Um, or I, I wasn't expecting, um, and this is what God said. And I just want you to know him. I want you to know him because that's the Jesus, the God that I serve. And you can, you can love and, and experience him too. So, um, that's, yeah, that's all I'll say about that. Thank you guys so much. I just wanted to pray for us and we're going to jump right into the next song. Is, is that okay? Or did you have something to say? Okay. Um, you're, I wasn't just wanted to make sure I was connecting there. Um, so let me pray and then we're going to jump into another song. Um, and it's, you know, God is still, Jesus is still moving stones. He's still rolling stones out of the way so we can walk out, out of our shame and out of our fear. Um, so will you just pray with me? 
God, thank you so much for these people, for your church, for your, your body of believers that goes beyond these walls. Um, Lord, I just pray for us to unite with you in your spirit today, God. Holy Spirit, would you be present um, beyond words, beyond music, beyond um, just so many things that are in our way. Lord, let us leave those stones at the door because you're here and you're present and you're with us. And you came as a human being, as Emmanuel, as God with us and inhabited a human body so that you could say, I'm here with you. I understand. I'm compassionate towards you. I'm not here to just wag my finger in your face. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to save you. Because you know you're broken and I'm here to heal. I'm the only one that can heal, God. We come to you waiting and anticipating that healing. You're near the brokenhearted. You're close to the crushed in spirit. God, we are crushed. Some of us beyond measure. Some of us beyond. Some of us are at the door. The fact that we're even in this room right now is a testimony to your work because we are ready. Some of us are just ready to just give you the finger and move on. And Lord, I pray that you would, with your tender way, that you are, that with your lowly and humble and heart way, that we would experience that your burden is easy and, and it's light. Um, God, would you move some stones today? And we so help us to proclaim that you're risen and that's why we're here. It's not to... You know, this isn't about a Facebook post or um, being able to have the right words to say, God, but to be able to say, like, we have experienced Jesus rolling death out of our lives and rolling life in. God, you came that we would have life and have it to the full. And I pray that that would start today and that would encompass us today as we sing. Uh, we love you, Jesus, and we pray these things in your name. Amen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Let's try that again. So historically through the church on Easter Sunday, someone would remark, he is risen, and you would respond, he is risen indeed. He is risen. risen Amen. Praise the Lord. That is why we're here. That's why we are worshiping. And uh, I'm just so glad that you chose to join us. Uh, I've got a special treat for you. All of this really doesn't matter except for the fact that Jesus is alive and with us. That is why we're here, and that is what we're here to worship and what we're here to celebrate. I want to um, ask Miss Jean to come up. Many of you know Miss Jean Nyman, and uh, well, she walks with the Lord. And if you spend any time with her, you know that that is true. And so I've asked Miss Jean if on this Easter day she would share just a little bit of her testimony because my hope and prayer for us is that we would experience Jesus in his fullness, and that is what we come to do together. So Miss Jean, we love you, and thank you for sharing with us. God bless you all. Good morning. Forty-one years ago, I became a Christian. Um, the f- last 41 years were very different from the first 30 of my life. I was not raised in a Christian home. I ran away from home when I was almost 16. I uh, had an alcoholic father. I had a mother that was emotionally unstable and had several nervous breakdowns uh, as I was growing up as a child. And uh, I lived a life the first 30 years of uh, being in trouble with drugs and alcohol, uh, being in trouble with the law. I was also a thief. I was a liar. And I had five failed marriages by that time. So at the age of 30, I had a styling shop in Cleveland on Key Street, and I had a missionary and and their family that came to my shop every four or five weeks and got their hair cut. And every time they came, they would put their arms around me and hug me. They would tell me how much they loved me. They would tell me that they were praying for me. So one Sunday, I decided, you know, it wouldn't hurt me to go to church. And uh, I wasn't going for any other reason but that. But I thought, well, it might hurt their feelings, and I might lose their business if I don't go. Of course, little did I know that God had many other plans besides that. (laughs) But that was the reason that I went. And when I walked uh, up 
on the steps. It was North Cleveland Church of God behind Lee University. When I got to the bottom of the steps before I ever entered the building, the tears just started pouring down my face, and I cried all the way through the whole service. (laughs) But when I walked in, I was just amazed because there was love radiating from all of these people. When I walked in the door, there were couples standing there that took time to put their arms around me and held me and told me they loved me and that they would be praying for me. And it was something that I had never experienced before. I had never been around that kind of love in my life. We didn't have that kind of love in our home, so I had really never experienced it. So shortly after that, I became a Christian, gave my life to the Lord, and my life was very different after that. I've learned a lot in the last 41 years. In fact, I'm still learning uh, because we never know enough or know all that we need to know. Several things I have learned through the years. One of the things I learned that really changed my life forever was the fact that I could choose joy for myself. It was a choice that I made every day. I still do that. Every morning when I get up, I choose joy for myself because we can live a life that is pitiful or we can live a life that is powerful, and that is up to us. God is not going to do everything. He wants us to do our part, and I try to spend time in the Word. Sometimes I fail miserably like everyone else, but I do try. And I've learned many things through the years. Uh, One of the other important things that I learned and I try to live by is to, if you want to be great in God's eyes, which I do, I want to please him more than anything, is to be a servant to everyone. That is so important, to be a servant to others and to love people the way that Jesus loves you, unconditionally, you know, faults and all. That's the, uh, excuse me, that's what, you know, real true love is really all about. Uh, I try to live my life by a scripture that is in in the Living Bible in Luke 9.48. It says, your love for others and your care for others is the measure of your greatness. So I try to live by that. And I've got to look at my notes. (laughs) Well, God took my life after all these years, after 30 years of living a life that was full of pain and, and disappointment and hurt, and he turned it all around, and he gave me a life that is full of joy, full of peace, and full of love, and no matter what I do or how much I do, I could never do enough to thank him for all that he's done for me. I love you all. God bless you. So I just have a few minutes with you this morning, and I want to, so here's what I want to do this week and next week. So um, you have to come back next week, right? Uh, Because this is a two-parter. Over the last few um, weeks, we've been talking about some of the crucial symbols of our faith. Those things in which God said, I want you to remember, and I'm going to give you something so that you will remember (laughs) We've also seen a consistent working of God throughout all of the Old Testament and the New. It's a fairly common, or not common, but a fairly, it's becoming common, but a fairly new understanding that when you understand, when you go to Scripture, the Old Testament doesn't matter. Only the New does. That's kind of a new understanding for today. And I think some of that is just because, we, you know, we get a little confused or we don't really want to study or just a, the Old Testament's a lot longer than the New. It's just easier to stick to the New. 
Some will even define that down and say, well, really, you should just talk about the words of Jesus. But I, I want you to know that when you do that, either exclude the Old Testament or exclude everything but the words of Jesus, you miss the bigger picture of what God is doing for you and his love for you. The picture of the Old Testament is not a picture of an angry God that's trying to tell you how to live your life. It's the picture of a God who looks down at his broken creation and says, I'm coming for you. And I want you to see what you were made for. I want you to see what you were created for. So as we look back through some of the symbols, as we begin with the Garden of Eden, we see this perfect paradise. You were created to be like God, with God, walking with God, talking with God, seeing God. The, the supernatural was not separate from the natural. It was all one thing. And now sin entered into that. We experienced a brokenness that we even today cannot completely fathom how broken we've become. Now, some of us have glimpses, right? I've noticed over this week, this is really the first, this is the first time we've done a Maundy Thursday or a Good Friday service. This is the first time we've done that together. And I couldn't help but notice just the emotion that would come out, come pouring out. Some of that's because we don't have a lot of safe places for that, right? Especially men. We, we don't have a lot of safe places to let people see what's really going on inside of us. We have this sense that we've got to be strong and we've got to know what we're doing and we've got to let nothing affect us, nothing touch us. And that's just not how we were created to live. I couldn't help but notice just this emotion pouring out through these events. And it was just amazing to witness. And it demonstrates that within us, we do have some sense of brokenness. We understand a peace. Maybe not at all. But we understand a piece of this brokenness that entered in the Garden of Eden. We looked at the rainbow. The story of the rainbow is, is not the story of, the, oh, look at this pretty rainbow that God created in the sky. But instead, it was God's war bow. He, he could have gone to war with us. And with the flood, he did. But Noah found favor in his sight. And then he said, I will not do this again. I am going to redeem you. I'm not going to wipe you out completely. And he took his bow and he set it up in the sky. And it wasn't just a pretty bow, but it was his war bow that was set in the sky. He would no longer aim it at us. From that moment forward, all of what God has been doing has been to lead you to a point of recognizing that he loves you overwhelmingly. And he's coming to rescue you. This is what Easter is. It is a story of rescue. And he began to teach us through many in the old testament but taught them directly as they experienced it we begin to see with god's covenant with abraham if you will follow me if you will trust me if you'll have faith in me then i will make you into a great nation and that great nation ended up in egypt and in egypt everything changed because it was in egypt as god came to them and appeared to moses in a burning bush and he said go i'm going to rescue my people not that they were the only people God wanted to rescue, but he wanted to show what it looked like when someone followed God and he chose them. And so they walked with him. And a few months after they had been released from Egypt, God gave, he completely changed their world. After 400 years of slavery, they had to experience again what it was like to live as free people. And he gave them the Ten Commandments, not because God is arbitrarily wanting to tell you what to do, but because if we're going to return to the place for which God created us, we had to change the way we thought about life. He gave them instructions for the tabernacle, which so interestingly coincided with the Garden of Eden. God's presence was going to be with them as they walked. And everywhere they went, they would pick it up and they would take it with them. God literally residing in the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Covenant residing in the Holy of Holies. Eventually, when they would enter into the Promised Land, then they would build a temple. And this is where God's house was. This is why when you walk into a church and people say, this is God's house. Well, it's not now. But it was then. Because literally, that's where God was. But there was only one house. We didn't all have houses that God was in. There was only one, and it was the temple. <laughs> But that was their experience because God was saying, I'm coming for you. I want to be with you. So the reality is if you're living your life feeling that you're walking through alone or that God's some distant, you don't know what he is. If you don't experience God's presence, if you don't experience God's voice in some way, and I don't mean that all of a sudden you hear this voice and you think it's maybe your Alexa over in the corner, but you're like, what is that? <laughs> kind of like Samuel. 
You'll remember before Samuel was called, he was asleep and he kept hearing his name, Samuel. What? He went to Eli the priest and he said, what do you want? He says, not me. It's God. God's calling you. God's saying something. Go and listen. If you're not experiencing that in some way, I want to tell you, God wants you to. Now, some of you come from different backgrounds, different experiences, different churches, and, and, and to hear from God is some kind of a level of accomplishment or achievement. Listen, the only accomplishment or achievement required to hear from God is that Jesus had to die on the cross and walk out of the tomb. You don't have to be trained. You, you, you don't have to reach some kind of level of maturity within some you know, church standard. If you know that Jesus is real, that Jesus walked out of that tomb, that Jesus wants to be a part of your life, and that you receive the Holy Spirit as a follower of him, I want you to know God will speak to you. And I can tell you at the end of the day of all the things we do as a church, nothing compares to just a quiet moment with God. Nothing This is what he was demonstrating with the tabernacle. This is what he was demonstrating with the temple. And then he really changed the world, and he broke in in a way that no one truly understood when he was born and God became flesh, fully man and fully God. And he walked and he taught, built relationships. People loved him, more people hated him. Until we come to this time of year where we recognize that now that God has come in the flesh to be with us, something is going to happen that was brutal, horrible. In all honesty, you and I, we really can't fathom how bad it was because we don't witness that kind of thing. But people around the world do. Today around the world, I don't know how much you follow world events. Today around the world, many churches have been bombed. In Sri Lanka alone this morning, over 200 people who were attending an Easter service are no longer drawing breath. That's today. Over the last year, churches all over Europe, the Middle East, and Asia have been attacked. People coming to worship knowing that they may not leave again. And I want to tell you why they go. It is not because of awesome music. It is not because of awesome teaching. It is not because of awesome coffee. It is because they are going to experience Jesus. And if someone takes our life early, we give it. Because what does this mean to us when we know Christ? This is what God has been teaching us, has been showing us. I want to read two passages. I'm going to go through this a little quickly. Next week when you come back, because you're going to come back next week, right? We're going to talk about what now, because there is a what now. It doesn't end with Easter. There's a what's next, and there's an incredible symbol that we have to understand if we're going to move forward. Today, as we follow through our symbols, the symbols that we grasp, and you probably have the most understanding of all that we've looked at so far, is the cross and the empty tomb. The marks of the Christian faith. There is no Christianity without an empty tomb. The cross doesn't matter without the empty tomb. Many people have been crucified on a cross. Only one walked out of the grave. Matthew chapter 27, this is what we read. And I want you to hear the response of what is happening here. I want you to also remember the tabernacle which has become the temple. God which is in the Ark of the Covenant. His presence is in the Holy of Holies covered by a veil that kept everyone out but the high priest. Now in this, now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani. That is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders heard it, saying, This man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, Wait, let's see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. This is the moment in which Jesus died, but you need to see what happens next. And those who were watching it, who were mocking him, their response. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened. And many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. 
And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly, this was the Son of God. The imagery of what happened that day is not simply the stone was gone and there was this open tomb with the shroud laying there, but there was a violent supernatural response in the natural world. There was an earthquake, rocks split, the skies darkened, the, the veil that kept God from the people was ripped and God's presence was out. Those who were watching couldn't help. When you see someone that you've buried in a tomb get up and walk out and walk into the city, you say, what's up? <laughs> I'm curious. And as those people went in, people began to realize what has happened. This wasn't a political prisoner. This wasn't just an ideological fraud. There was something real about him. But what I want you to see is that what is so easy within the, the culture that you and I live in, what is so easy to do is go, yes, I believe Jesus was real. I need to believe in him. I hope one day I'll go to heaven. Listen, if that is your understanding of faith, I want you to know you've missed it. You've missed it. Because the story has not all been about you getting to heaven. That is not what this story has been about. The story has been about you being reunited again with God and in his presence because you were created to be like him. As the veil rips, this changes everything. The imagery is hard to miss. I find it interesting that somebody went back and sewed it back together and hung it back up not realizing that God is not here. Just as in the tomb, Jesus is not here. In John chapter 20, we read about what happens next. And on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to him, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outrun Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed for as yet they, had, they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. And then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary, who is such a picture of someone who understood the presence of Jesus, Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stood to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting there where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have laid him. They've stolen his body. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have delayed him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. In that moment, she knew it was him. His body wasn't gone. He was right there. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me. I've not yet ascended to the Father, but I go to, my but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, don't miss this, I have seen the Lord. Have you seen the Lord? See, our natural response is to say, well, no, I'm not. I mean, I wasn't there. 
Have you seen the Lord? See, this is what Easter is about. That we've seen Him. Not in flesh and bones. But we have seen Him in spirit. We know He exists. We know He's alive. I have seen Him. Do you know what the gospel looks like to people in our culture? It does not look like that we rake them over the coals. It looks like we come to them and we say, I have seen him, and he wants to see you. I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father had sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and he said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. This moment of the empty tomb is the most significant moment in all of history save creation. Nothing of this magnitude has happened before. Nothing will happen again until Jesus returns. This is how magnificent this is. I have seen, I have seen the Lord. We look back at the story of Moses delivering them, and this is where God begins to change our understanding of his presence. God appears to Moses, do you remember how? In a burning bush, a bush that was burning but was not consumed. And then he would guide them through the desert, and if you remember, he would guide them by night with a, do you remember what? A pillar of fire. This was God's presence guiding them. Scripture literally says God as a pillar of fire would go before them so that they could travel by day or by night. God's presence is often in the Old Testament demonstrated to us as fire. This is his presence that was always at a distance. His presence that then was in the ark. His presence that was in the temple. His presence that was in Jesus Now he's out of the tomb, and we know that what happens next is that Jesus meets with his disciples just for a short time, and then he ascends to heaven. Again, the disciples are confused, and they're not exactly sure what's going on or what they're supposed to do. And so they huddle in this upper room. Acts chapter 2, it says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were there together in one place, and suddenly... There came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire. Divided tongues as of fire. It appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is God's presence appearing on the burning bush, appearing as a pillar of fire before them on the road to Egypt, now separating into tongues of fire and falling on those who would follow him. His presence is now with us. Now, Jesus told them this was going to happen. They didn't understand it any better than they understood that Jesus was going to rise from the dead. And what he said was, I have to go, and it's a good thing that I have to go, because when I go, the Holy Spirit's going to come, and he's going to be with you, he's going to be in you. This is why Scripture says that you now, as a follower of Jesus, are the temple of the living God, not made of stone, made of flesh and blood, because the Holy Spirit resides within you. You take him where you go, which is important where we go and how we go. God's presence is with us, with us forever. Here's what I'm going to leave you with today. The cross demonstrated God's love for you. Remember that. It is a symbol that we remember. Now, some remember with Jesus' body on the cross. Many within the Catholic faith will will remember the crucifix. 
Jesus' body on the cross. We don't celebrate the body on the cross because we know that Jesus is not on the cross anymore. They, they would say they understand that too. But that's why we do not put Jesus' body on a cross when we use it as a symbol. The empty tomb demonstrated God's power for you. God's power that was used for you. The Holy Spirit demonstrated God's presence with you. You sitting here have God dwelling within you if you believe, if you confess with your mouth, and if you follow him. He is in you right here, right now, tomorrow. When you go to work, you go taking the Holy Spirit with you. And the gospel is God's message for how to experience him forever. That is what the gospel is. Heaven is a wonderful thing. I look forward to it myself. But it is not the thing. The thing is being in the presence of God. In the Hebrew, the word presence usually means face. So to be in the presence of God means to be in the face of God. To be with Him, in front of Him, right there together. I want to encourage you, if you do not experience that now, or if you only experience it at certain types of events, I want to challenge you to deepen your faith and deepen your understanding to seek that on a regular basis. The Holy Spirit resides in you for the purpose of drawing you into the presence of God. Acts 17 says, the times of ignorance God overlooked but now he commends all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. In other words, he is trustworthy. The apostles would all but one go to their grave with an ugly death. Recant and be saved. Hold fast to your faith and have an ugly death. And they all chose an ugly death. Why? Because they had experienced something better than life. They had experienced Christ. Romans 10 tells us how to do this. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Repentance is such a part of this. But it, repentance becomes less painful because we see what we gain by repenting. <laughs> we see this ugliness, this darkness, this brokenness, and we got to get it out. And God doesn't look at you in shame and guilt and say, you failure. He says, give it to me. Give it to me. Your sin is forgiven. Well, how can he do that? He can do that because Jesus died on the cross for us. If you have believed, let me encourage you to live as if the power and presence of the Almighty God is within you. He is with you, in you, where you go. Paul says in Philippians 3, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. I want this thing that Jesus came to bring, and I don't want to be disqualified for it. I want to experience it. I want to experience Christ. I want to experience this within my life. I want to experience everything that he came to bring. Can I encourage you, if that is your prayer, if that is what you want to do, if you say, I, yes, I want to be in the presence of God, but I don't know if I know how to do that. I want to hear God's voice. I, I, I don't know if that's even possible or if I can experience that. Listen, let me just tell you something. It is not a formula, and it is not some kind of crazy thing to, to just say, you know, yeah, I talked to God. He told me to do this thing. It, listen, it is about soaking in his presence. 
being there, hearing him. As I've said before, most of the time that I just know God is speaking to me, it has something to do with his word. What if God's ability to speak to you is dependent upon your ability to recall his word? Do we spend time in his word? Is it precious to us? Do we want to know it? Do we try to live it? Do we seek it out? Draw near to God's face. Draw near to God's presence. James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Colossians 3, 1 through 3 says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. For me, what that looks like is that you and I need to spend our time, we need to be focused on the things that are of Christ. If you're busy at work or you have a lot of stressful things on your mind or you have a lot of hobbies that you just think are really great and yet you do not have time to spend focused on God, you need to look at what's most important. If you think, well, yeah, you know, but I'm just not, I'm not sure about all this. I would encourage you to find a quiet place, just a quiet place, no distractions. When you've got some time, you don't, you're not in a hurry to go do something, because whenever we're in a hurry to go do something, we cannot create a quiet place because we're just thinking, I got to go off and do this thing. Get in a quiet place. Quiet your spirit. Quiet all the voices in your head. And I know some of us have more voices in our head than others, right? <laughs> quiet those voices. The things you're expected to do, let those go away. The things that you've got to, problems you've got to solve, let, they'll be there later. Find a quiet place. And just ask God to speak to you. I don't know what he'll say. And I've never had him speak where I heard it with my ears. See if you don't experience his presence. Because I'm telling you, once you do, that becomes the most important moment in your entire life. And you're able to say, this is real. This is real. If you're going to do that, I will tell you, you cannot experience God's presence until you humble yourself before a living God. When I demand him show himself to me, he's not bound by my demands. When I try to force him into something, he's not going to be forced. When I pray and I have a question that I'm hoping he'll answer He's operating on his timetable, not mine. And he'll speak when he wants to. But when I humble myself before him and say, your will and not mine, your glory and not mine, your future and not mine, then the world will change before your eyes. It's an amazing thing when you experience the presence of Jesus. So this Easter... This is what I would encourage you to do. Remember. Humble yourself. Have faith. Worship. Not just here. Not just if you've got music on in your, in your car. Worship. Worship is about recognizing who God is and giving Him that glory. Praising Him. And seek him. Hebrews eleven six says, Without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. This morning as we close, I, I again want to encourage you to be here next week as we wrap up all of symbols with a symbol that not that God didn't give us. But yet the early believers began to practice together, and it is a powerful symbol. And it demonstrated where they were headed from that day forward. While they lived lives in a different time, place, and culture than we do, 
we have a similar path that they did. And so I want us to talk about that, and we're going to close out our series with that. I also know that over this, this time of year is when it's natural to get busy and to do other things, and I want to encourage you to stay with us through the summer. We're going to be doing something different this summer, just Summer at Journey. And the purpose of Summer at Journey is for us to not only, it's not, they're not just a whole bunch of worship events, you know, but it's time for us to be together as a community because when the community comes together, God prayed as we pray, as we read aloud together Monday, Thursday, that we would be one just as he and the father are one, that we would demonstrate our love for each other and that those outside of the faith would look in and say, wow, that's something unique and important. Part of that, we're going to do some fun stuff. We're going to do some meaningful things, all in an effort to bring us closer together to love each other. So we close with this final song. If you would like to pray right where you are, you can do that. If you'd like to come up and pray up here, you're welcome to do that. If, if you're here and it's Easter, because you go to church on Easter, but you want to experience Jesus, I, I'll be standing up here and I would love to pray with you. If you'd like just to come and pray and have someone pray with you, someone will be available to do that as well. Don't leave this day thinking, oh, that was a good Easter. Leave this place experiencing God's presence more in your life. Father, God, I thank you that your power has been manifested in such a way that you walked out of that tomb. I thank you that you've given us grace and mercy so that even though we deserve punishment, judgment, and death, you have given us life, not just here, but life forever. So, Father, as we continue to worship your name, I pray that that worship would just be contagious within our life. As we leave this place, each day that we draw breath, that we would worship you. Father, I pray for those in this room, and they believe all the things they're supposed to believe, and they've read the Bible, but yet they've never experienced your presence, that thing that you've been coming to bring them this whole time. Father, I pray they would experience the Holy Spirit in a way today that knows you are real, you are active, and you are living within them. Pray for those today that need to just say, I want to follow Jesus for the first time. I just, I want to follow Jesus. I know that you are standing, knocking, waiting for them to open the door. That's what you tell us in your word. I pray that they would respond and experience you today that changes everything, changes the way we see the world, the way we live our lives, the way we respond to others. Because now we have you love incarnate in us. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.